daily Premier League news and views. This is Football Social Daily. After a frenetic FA Cup weekend, the Premier League is back this week and the midweek madness kicks off tonight with Frank Lampard looking to further kickstart his Everton era. Could we see Delhi and Donny in the mix for the Toffees? Burnley are battling away at the bottom too. They welcome Manchester United to Turf Moor, a Manchester United side who are still stinging from crashing out of the cup. And West Ham continue their top four tilt when they entertain Roy Hodgson's Watford. All of those games to speak of on today's show and we'll also be asking where the line is when it comes to professionalism away from the pitch when you're a footballer. Fancy cars, flash clothes, partying until the early hours. Do these things really matter? Well, there are a few Leicester City fans right now who would certainly say yes. More on that to come here on the only daily podcast focusing on the Premier League. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Welcome along to today's episode of the podcast. Good to have you with us. My name's Niall and to run the rule over tonight's top flight action today, we've got the duo of Marley Anderson and Joel Tudor. Morning, fellas. Morning, guys. You all right? Morning. Yorkie and Cole's back. <laughs> York and Cole, what a combo. <laughs> banging them in. Uh, banging exactly. the podcasts out. Um, let's get stuck straight into it. Three Premier League games tonight. There is fixtures across uh, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday in the Premier League this week. We've obviously had this winter break and the FA Cup, which means we've lost a weekend of Premier League action. So what do we do? We squeeze them all in and have a triple game week. Just how the managers would have wanted it, I'm sure. But anyway, let's get stuck straight in and talk about Everton against Newcastle. Marley, you're a Newcastle United fans so a big game for you tonight Everton though I think a lot of the focus will be on them particularly considering Frank Lampard's gone in there and they've got two new players to speak of who haven't played just yet Deli Alley and Donny van der Beek they were both cup tied for the FA Cup win over Brentford they could start against Newcastle United this evening do you think that that's a possibility yeah uh, it could be um, I, I don't expect them to both start I mean maybe one and then the other comes on for the one that started but um, they well, they need improvement, don't they? They they um, they're coming off the back of a good result, so I can't see Lampard changing it too much from the weekend when they were unveiled and and there, but not in the in the team. So um, it's just a it's one of them games where every everything's new, everything's uh, shiny and and different with Lampard, uh, Ali, Van der Beek, El Ghazi all possibly playing for for Everton and Newcastle with uh, at least four of their five new signings playing. Um, and still a relatively new sort of manager and a new, you know, part to the season sort of thing. So, um, just a case of how everyone sort of gels and who who does who does that quicker because Everton had a, a good result at the weekend, but with cup football, you, you know, clubs never take. You never know what to think of of, club, of uh, cup football in terms of performance because a lot of the time it doesn't like transfer over to to the league stuff. So. We'll have to see. Uh, have to see what sort of Everton turns up, and uh, I'm sure will be a, a bit of a tougher test than the one they had at the weekend. Yeah, you're right. This game definitely feels like a fresher prospect than what would have been the case two or three weeks ago, with the new signings, with the new manager at Everton, uh, fresh faces at Newcastle as well as you speak of. Uh, Marley's right to pick up what happened at the weekend when it comes to Everton, Jewel. They beat Brentford 3-1 or 4-1, I think it was, in the end in the FA Cup, through to the next round. Frank Lampard's first game, apparently Goodison Park, was absolutely bouncing. Do you think Everton are favourites tonight? Um, I wouldn't underestimate the new signings that Newcastle have made because I think it's going to 
I think both sides have just had the biggest boost in the last couple of weeks, which it makes this this tie even more interesting than it probably would have been prior to that, just because obviously that new manager bounce, I think every club experiences it in the first couple of weeks and then it seems to have a bit of a lull. Uh, but with the new signings that Newcastle have made, obviously prior to the next game, which none of them have played, I think it's going to be a totally new look Newcastle side because obviously they made, I think, was it five signings in January? So that's nearly a, a half of a starting lineup, which I think when you consider the fact that prior to Eddie Howe coming in, that starting 11 was one which only had one or two wins in the last 20 Premier League games then I think it's going to be an entirely different prospect. But I think that obviously when you're trying to bed in so many new players, it's going to take a little bit of time as well. And at least with Everton, especially on the back of that last win um, in midweek in the FA Cup, I think they're on just the more of the upward trajectory just in terms of that, that new bounce that you need. But I think it'll be a very interesting tie. I think there'll be a lot of goals in it. Um, but I think Everton probably go into it as slight favourites just because, like I said, that new manager bounce is something that, I don't know, it's just like a absolute phenomenon, isn't it? Where the players seem to get up for it. It's that spark of motivation. And after a few weeks, they get like a loss and then suddenly they start going downhill again. But I think they should be able to capitalise. But I mean, if Newcastle were able to get a victory, it brings Everton right into that relegation battle again. And suddenly the pressure's on Lampard straight away. So it is a big game for Lampard as well because obviously he's not off the he's not off the loose uh, off the leash in terms of getting away from that bottom three because three points are in it and suddenly he's he's in big pressure with not many games to go. Uh, so it's a it's, it's a it's an interesting tie up for sure. You're spot on, Joel, and I think that if Newcastle do win tonight, they go out of the relegation zone. They'll overtake Norwich. They'll overtake Watford. They'll be on 18 points. And one point behind Everton, who will stay where they are, depending on the other results, of course, Watford and Burnley, both in action tonight, and we'll discuss that. But just taking this game on face value here, Newcastle can potentially leave the relegation zone with three points, and Everton, if they lose, will get sucked closer to it. But conversely, if Everton pick up three points, that'll put them on 23, and they'll have a better goal difference than Brentford. So that will put them up into 14th, and all of a sudden, they're clear of danger for the time being. So do you think that that is the difference at the moment, Marley? Do you think Everton are just one or two wins away from relative safety? I know things can all change so quickly. Yeah, I think um, it's kind of similar to how Aston Villa were a few a few weeks ago when Gerard came in. Like The situation wasn't that bad, um, but sort of the way it was going, it was like if, if we carry on for another three or four weeks losing, then we're in the, we're in the mix. Um, so when Lamp- um, Gerard came in, it was you know they got a couple of wins straight away, uh, and the you know they've never really looked back. So I, th- I think it's similar to Everton, to be honest. Um, they're not they've not got that much work to do to get you know around the sort of mid table obscurity sort of uh, area in the in the table. So it's they'll probably be targeting tonight and saying you know we can go and beat Newcastle. They're they're below us. We should we should. You know, have a chance in this game. We should be uh, able to do what we want to do rather than react to their new signings and stuff. And we'll be we'll be looking at it, thinking, well, it's only Everton. They're on a poor run. Yes, they got a new manager, but can we take advantage of that? Um, like lack of um, sort of together togetherness and philosophy. Like um, t- you know, not playing together for 
any more than 90 minutes, it's still very early on. So can we exploit that and, and get the points? So hopefully we can do it and we get to see uh, a few of the new lads, especially uh, Bruno Gimares, um pulling the strings in midfield. Do you think we'll see Bruno Gimares start? I mean, he's the marquee signing. Everyone would suggest that it probably was Trippier, but I think that Trippier signing, as impressive as it was for Newcastle, was probably sort of gazumped a little bit by the acquisition of Gimares, who by all accounts, was attracting a lot of interest. So for him to swap, you know, Ligue 1 football with a top club in Lyon, albeit they're not doing so well in the league at the moment, but in terms of their stature in France, they're one of the bigger clubs. For a Newcastle side who are struggling at the bottom of the Premier League, I think that speaks a lot about the project. So are you expecting Eddie Howe to to, to plant Gimaresh in the middle of the park tonight, as well as the other signings? Do you think we could see all of them possibly feature? I hope so, because he's played most games this season for Lyon. Um, he's just went away and I think he came on as a sub for in the most recent Brazil game and got himself an assist. Um, so it's not like he's he's rusty. Um, and at the end of the day, I see it as if if you're paying thirty three million quid for a player, um, why can't he come straight into the team? Like I think we're not strong enough in in midfield to to say you know what we'll 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 bed him in. Like we'll give him half an hour this week and then you know an hour next week and then 90 minutes from there on. I think we're, the situation requires instant improvement. So we need to bring him in straight away for me. Um, he's better than what we've got by the looks of things. and We've got to give him the chance to be better than what we've got. So he seems to have uh, settled pretty quickly. He speaks basic English. Um, he's got players around him that can speak, you know, um, like Spanish-ish, Portuguese-ish and a few French speakers as well. So... Expect him to start. Same with Trippier in Target and Chris Wood. Um, apparently Dan Burns got a slight toe injury or something, so he might not start. But I'd, I'd probably expect at least three, but probably four to to get in the team tonight. Are you confident, Marley? I'm never, I'm never confident with Newcastle. Um, <laughs> I'm hopeful. Um, if they were coming here with Rafa Benitez, I, I thought we'd have we'd have beat them. Um, I can see it being a draw. In in all fairness, I, I was just a bit worried that they got, they happened to have got Calvert Lewin and and everyone back really um, for this game. I think Richarlison scored at the weekend. Calvert Lewin's back. Um, they've got the midfield back. They've just got two new signings. So probably playing them at the worst time in six months, to be honest. Um, but having said that, we're improving. We are getting better. We're not playing like a team that's in the three worst in in the league. Um, and with the buzz of the of the crowd and the new signings, I think uh, we should definitely take something from the game. Just finally, Joel, before we move on here, Burnley have got two games in hand and we'll talk about their game with Manchester United later on in the show. They're currently bottom of the table, but with Watford's draw against Burnley, that means that Watford have now played the same amount of games as Newcastle United. They have the same amount of points, but they're marginally ahead on goal difference, I say marginally, actually, there's five goals in it, which is, is quite significant, I suppose you could say. But my point is that Norwich City have played a game more and Newcastle have a chance to kind of drag Everton closer, as you've already discussed. If they win tonight, that's huge. That's a huge statement to make. That's Even a draw wouldn't be the worst result in the world. Do you think that it is going to go all the way to the wire this season? Yeah, I think there's that set of five teams at the moment who are consistently there but 
you know, the thing I have with Burnley is that I do have more hope for them than, for example, Watford. And that's just the fact that they've lost nearly just over uh, half their games. Burnley have lost eight games all season. Watford have lost 14. So for Burnley, it's literally a case of converting some of those 10 draws, which Watford have drawn three, into wins. Uh, but again, the only issue is that Burnley have won one game all season, which is alarming. Um, but of course, I think like you men- like you mentioned, if Newcastle were to get the victory today, even though they have a three-game margin on them in terms of their games in hand, it does create that psychological barrier, which suddenly they start to get further and further away. Um, but, you know, as we say in the last like eight games of the Premier League, these teams seem to just gain this momentum from out of the sky and be able to get these results at the most trickiest ground. So I definitely wouldn't rule any of them out at the moment just in terms of getting out of that bottom three uh, I think there's a chance for all of them to be honest but I mean these games against your rivals are, the, are just absolute importance to win um, and I think if Newcastle can bring Everton into the into the into the little rivalry they've got going on at the bottom then I think it'll be massive for the other teams as well I'd tell you what it might be miles away but April and May are looking huge, particularly for Burnley. We'll talk about them in a sec, but they've got Norwich, Watford. And final day of the season, Marley, that 22nd of May, four o'clock kickoff at Turf Moor, Burnley against Newcastle. That's looking bigger and bigger as the weeks go on. Yeah, I know. Um, and if someone offered me now, oh, look, honestly, the the one thing I want from this season is Chris Wood to score the, the winner in the 90th minute where <laughs> whoever, whoever wins stays up. Um, but no, that, that, they're... I don't even know if it will be the uh, the final game of the season because they've got so many to replay. They might end up playing on into into sort of late May, early June. Yeah, they'll have to squeeze them in somewhere. We'll talk about Burnley shortly on the podcast. But after this break, we're going to be talking about what's right and what's wrong when it comes to your conduct off the pitch as a footballer. There are no written rules, but there are certainly some unwritten ones. And Leicester City fans, after their FA Cup exit at the weekend, are not happy after a couple of their players were spotted doing something that really upset the supporters. We'll talk about that next here on Football Social Daily. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League show from Sport Social. We are the only podcast with a new episode every single day of the top flight season here in England. So hit subscribe and that way you won't miss an episode again. My name's Niall and Marley Anderson and Joel Tudor are alongside me to discuss tonight's Premier League action. There are games tomorrow as well. We'll be talking about all of those games right throughout the week. But before we do get to Burnley versus Manchester United and West Ham versus Watford, I wanted to talk about something that we picked up on that was doing the rounds on social media media yesterday it was a video that emerged of Leicester City players enjoying themselves at a house party at five o'clock on Monday morning of course five o'clock on Monday morning after Sunday night where they were knocked out by Nottingham Forest a local rival they were hammered 4-1 in the FA Cup it was a really poor show from Leicester City in their defense of the FA Cup and it's a really poor look as well for those players I think especially with it being pasted all over social media, I suppose. That's what makes it a little bit tough to take. Can you understand, Joel, why Leicester fans are a bit annoyed about this? With the, with this situation, it's a little bit complex because obviously it's not a great taste after a defeat for any club when you see players going out and 
you know, getting bladdered, drowning the sorrows. But I think what with football is everyone seems to forget that with all these associations they have with the money they earn, the cars they have, the women in their life, the lifestyle they lead, everyone forgets that they are flawed human beings like everybody else. They're not they're not different to me or you or Marley or anyone. They're people. The only difference is that their life is publicized on a, a, a global scale, that every move is captured everywhere and especially in this generation compared to 20 30 years ago they cannot move and they cannot breathe in the world because there's always going to be that opportunist person who has the phone out and if they see one of them bladdered they'll capture it and then that's their name dragged down into this whole furore of media speculation and fans getting angry at them and they can't breathe and for me, it's a case of everyone needs to just remember that these guys, they, a lot of them are young guys, 19, 20, 21. And everyone needs to remember how were they when they were 19, 20, 21. And let us, let's not forget, these guys are earning north of 50 grand a week. If I mean, obviously, they should have the right advisors and the right people, but they are people as well. They're teenagers. Of course, they're going to you know, be influenced very easily. You're at a very... Um, you're at an age where you're easily influenced by your peers at 19, 20, and they're no different. They're people. So, you know, I don't have a massive a massive kind of uh, thing with it, but I know, for example, when you take it back to Sir Alex Ferguson, when he ever saw his players, you know, out drinking, doing stupid things, he was on them, but it was never publicly, but it was never because he wanted to restrict their freedom. It's because he wanted them to be the best athlete you can be. And I think the, the the thing with being a footballer is that it's a lifestyle. It's not as if, you know, you go to your nine to five job and you switch off after that. Being an athlete requires a hell of a lot of sacrifice to get to a level where you can sustain it. Like, for example, Cristiano Ronaldo, I'm pretty sure during his early days, of, of course, he enjoyed himself in the evenings. What What person on earth doesn't? But I mean, he doesn't go over the top with it where it ends up creating negative connotations around his name and his image and that kind of thing and he he, he knows what he needs to be doing um, and I think Brendan Rodgers' quote but uh, did he say something along the lines of these young players think that they've already made it before they've actually made it or something along those lines and you know what there are there is some truth in it because I think when you get to a certain stage as a player where you know, you've met, you've made it pretty much as in you are the status player. I feel like there is margin for error just because you know that this person's producing week in, week out. Whereas when you get these young players who are in and out of the team, not doing as much, you look at them and think, is there more that you could be doing to actually reach your potential? Um, so I think it is a very complex issue. But for me, everyone just needs to remember that they're flawed people like every person on earth. I agree with 95% of what you've said there. However, I think that we need to take into context the manner of the defeat, the fact that they're the holders of the FA Cup or were, and now they're out. They lost to a local rival who are in the division below, who they haven't played in eight years. They lost 4-1 and the video was posted by one of the player's girlfriends. Now, we're talking about, you know, understanding that people are going to be around you posting things. It's not to suggest they shouldn't be going to a house party and, and having fun and drowning their sorrows, which you you said, which I think is a good way to express it. 
it just didn't sit well with the Leicester fans. And I can totally understand that. It might be a poor look, but you're right. Players do have a life outside of football. However, I think that there is a, a fine line to tread, Marley, as we discussed on yesterday's show, between what is considered appropriate and what isn't considered appropriate. Now, there's nothing wrong with players going out and having a drink. But go and have a drink after you win a game, not after you get beat 4-1 by your local rivals. That would be my take. And I think that it was a, an extra kick in the teeth to the Leicester fans after what was a really shocking performance from their team. Yeah, um, I think it's 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 just that. Yeah, it's a, it's a kick in the teeth. You know, you there's this, you know, this season has been really poor by Leicester standards, you know, Um they would expect to be in that top four. Like the way the way everybody's playing in the league right now, if you said to them, you know, Chelsea are going to slack off, fourth is going to be anybody's guess. Leicester would be like, well, we'll finish fourth because we're good enough. You know, we're, we've tried, we've almost did it the last two seasons. We're certainly in that mix. Um, and it obviously hasn't gone that way so far. So then it comes to the FA Cup and they're thinking, right, well, we, we won this last year. So we can we can potentially go and win it again, and they get embarrassed by Nottingham Forest, which is like some part time rivalry they've got with with Forest, and you know it's just an awful day because you had you had the Leicester fans going and smashing up Nottingham, um, and then you had the you know Rodgers digging into his squad a little bit when they when they turned him the worst performance probably of his entire reign as as Leicester boss, and then it doesn't end there you know twelve hours later three divvies a a party in it five o'clock in the morning like you know okay you have have a few drinks if you absolutely need to if it's someone's birthday or whatever but you know 5 a.m and then some idiot's putting it on a snapchat story um sorry your instagram story it's like someone somewhere have some brains it's not hard to to keep this a secret or to just not have in, it in my opinion it's not so much of that for me as it is for common sense you know this is yeah. a guy who plays in goal who's conceded four who very rarely plays and yeah. you know he's he's been kind of thrown under the bus a little bit by something that's been posted by his girlfriend what we should say though is that a local reporter yesterday actually suggested that this video was accidentally posted and it was taken a few weeks ago but for it to be yeah. accidentally posted at five o'clock in the morning i think leads to a few <laughs> question marks yeah. hands up who believes that nobody um yeah, that's that's a lie, and it? it's it's damage uh, damage limitation, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's it's. Just I, I guess the stupid. question, Marley, is where's the line drawn here? You know, where's the line drawn between Joel's right? They're young men who often, a lot of the time, don't grow up a normal life because they're thrust into the limelight at an extremely young age. We're talking sixteen, seventeen, and above. They come into money very, very early, and it's understandably a cultural problem within football that you see these things. Um, blown out of proportion social media is a huge part of that cameras thrust in your face wherever you go you're watched every move is scrutinized I agree with almost all of what Joel was saying before but there needs to be some sort of line and like I said before it's almost like an unwritten rule isn't it it's where do you draw the line between should I go out and have a drink tonight well yeah I'm only going over a friend's for a couple of beers it should be fine and then it's posted on social media and you think okay I've been rumbled here or do you just play it safe and you don't have a life because you know that that's kind of part of the element of being a footballer I think it's a really interesting line that's being drawn it's almost like an unwritten rule as I say and knowing where or when you cross that is is proving more and more difficult I think yeah the, there is a line um 100% but you've got to know that that's way past it 5am party after you know on the night of you've just been battered in the 
the FA Cup by lower league opposition. It's just it's just really, really thick. It's really stupid to to do it in the first place. Um like yeah, or you know, it might not have been meant to have been posted or it might have been posted without people knowing it was posted, but they're all there, they're all smashed and they're all, you know, they they're gonna be sorry they get caught. Um you see you see the people in it, like Danny Ward, Hamza Chowdhury, I think this is the problem with with some sort of squad players like they're, they're squad players, they're not first team players. And they're you know, he's a backup goalkeeper and a defensive midfielder who barely gets a game. And then they're they're partying like they're the superstars. And it's like that it's just so out of touch, I think, with you know, the first team the more experienced first teamers will be like, I'm not gonna go there because that's stupid. And even James Madison. <laughs> James Madison's had so many run ins with you know, people saying he shouldn't be, he shouldn't be out at the, at the darts, watching the darts. He shouldn't be, you know, out dressed in fancy, fancy designer gear like they were saying to saying about Deli Ali the other day. Um, like even he was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go to that just in case. And it's, you know, it's it's just one of them stupid things where you, you should know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to be you know, like a, a whiter than white sort of um, cleaner than clean type of person to know that that's a, that is way past the line and that will annoy fans and it'll annoy Brendan Rodgers. And he's the one I feel sorry for in this because he's said, you know, in his quotes after the, the Forest game, you know, some of these players think the top players and they're not. And that behaviour is just, is people acting like the top players and they're untouchable and, you know, I can go out and party because... You know, it's only it's only FA Cup. It's only Nottingham Forest. We've got the day off tomorrow, so I can do what I want. And ultimately, it'll be Brendan Rodgers that pays pays the price because he's the one that'll get sacked. Hamza Chowdhury, Danny Ward, James Justin—they'll still have jobs this morning. But if things still carry on going wrong, and this this causes a problem in the dressing room, mm. ultimately Brendan Rodgers is the one that's going to get sacked for it. It's really interesting that on consecutive days here on Football Social Daily, we've been speaking about players' lives away from the pitch and yesterday we kind of I think we're all in agreement that Glenn Hoddle's comments about Deli Alley and what car he drove to Everton and what clothes he wore were just uh, a stick to beat him with that wasn't necessary you know who cares what car he drives and what clothes he wears that's almost immaterial whereas the actual actions of what we saw Leicester players doing going out and partying after a real bitter defeat uh, to a local rival I think that that's a slightly different uh, conversation and I think that you know one is considerably um, more annoying to supporters than the other and it's interesting that maybe some of the older footballers who haven't experienced the level of fame and wealth that maybe you see nowadays have decided that the clothes in the car is the route to go down rather than condemning the players for having a drink after the game when probably they shouldn't have done because back in the day, that was the done thing. I just think it's a really interesting dynamic to to discuss, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again on the, thing, the podcast. The thing, one last thing that just get also sort of winds you up a little bit is when people say, "Oh, you know, the normal normal footballers, uh, normal people, and you know, normal people go out and party," um, but they don't go out and party five a.m. when they're in work the next day. Like I didn't, I didn't go out partying last night until five a.m. because I'm in work the next day. You know what I mean? It's three thirty instead. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's a couple, couple of swift halves and in bed by three. Yeah, so it's <laughs> some people you know relate it back to that normal normal life, and it's that it isn't a normal life in any situation. So you just got to be more careful with it. 
Yeah, I totally agree with the majority of what both uh, yourself and Joel have said when it comes to that. Uh, Unfortunately, we'll be talking about more off-field problems next because Kurt Zuma, and again, this relates to social media, has been a video doing something despicable involving um, one of his pets, which I'm sure we'll talk about after this. But West Ham do have a game tonight. They welcome Watford to London Stadium. Burnley too are in action at the bottom of the table as Manchester United are the visitors. We'll talk about those two games next after this. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Two more Premier League games to speak of tonight. Burnley against Manchester United and West Ham against Watford at London Stadium. We'll start with the game at Turf Moor where Manchester United travel only a few miles north to take on their Lancashire opponents, Burnley. Uh, Burnley are off the back of a Premier League game at the weekend, seeing as themselves and Watford were both knocked out of the FA Cup. So they contested a Premier League fixture on Saturday night. It finished nil-nil in horrendous conditions. I couldn't believe seeing the pre- and post-match interviews pitch side with Roy Hodgson who just looked like a frail old man stood there getting battered by the wind in the rain bit of saliva kind of dripping out the side of his mouth the poor guy just start doing interviews inside for goodness sake you know I thought we got back to that stage but anyway um, Burnley nil-nil with Watford a clean sheet which is I guess one positive but their fixtures are looking bleak Joel and they're running out of time in terms of those games in hand um, they're not going to be easy. Their next game, of course, Manchester United tonight. Then they've got Liverpool. Then it's away at Brighton. And then at home to Tottenham. Then they've got Palace and Chelsea just as we roll into the beginning of March. That's not to mention games against Man City still to come as well before the end of the season, plus some relegation rivals. So the fixtures for Burnley are really, really interesting. The next 10 fixtures could be make or break for them because a lot of them in between have got their relegation rivals. I know they've got Norwich on the ninth, and then... Um, I think there's Watford soon to come. So there's, there's is 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 well, it's the business end of the season, isn't it? Where every single game now matters more than ever. Uh, Burnley always seem to get out of trouble somehow with Sean Dyche, and like I was mentioning earlier, um, the fact that they've although they've only won one game in the league and they've drawn ten, they've lost the fewest out of all of the relegation battle insides. And I think that's one positive I would take from it if I was a Burnley fan and if I was Sean Dyche because they're not easily beaten compared to the rest of the the pack. And that's I think that's something that you can definitely use as a strength because obviously they're difficult to break down and they can't seem to convert those draws into wins. So I think for me, they are the stronger of probably I would say Watford um, and a couple of the other sides that they're alongside. But I mean, it's difficult when you have to come against these sides like City and Chelsea who also have a massive amount to play for, which is the the league title and the top four. So it's kind of like two bulls crashing against each other in terms of who wants it more for what they actually want what to come out of the season. Uh, But I think when it comes to actually teams who are trying to survive relegation, it just seems to me like they always have a bit more impetus than any other side that they face. I always I always remember when I think Burnley beat Chelsea away from home a, a few years ago when they needed like a few points to stay up and this is what I mean it's just it, it throws up results that you would never ever expect. Um but when you've got teams on the opposite side of the table, I mean I'm sure that when it comes to you know the last 5 6 games of the season 
there'll be Tottenham, Arsenal, West Ham, Manchester United all dying to get into that top four against the likes of Norwich, Burnley, Newcastle, who are all dying to stay in the Premier League. So they are very interesting matchups and sometimes one team wants it more than the other and that's the only thing that you can tell them apart. How much will Manchester United want it tonight, Joel? The team that you support who were knocked out of the FA Cup on Friday night. It was an awful exit for them, really. They made so many chances against Middlesbrough. Bruno Fernandes hits the post when he should have scored. They hit the crossbar. Ronaldo misses a penalty. It goes to a penalty shootout. Um, There was a handball goal from Middlesbrough, which we won't get into now. Um, Alanga skies the penalty Middlesbrough are through um, it was one of those evenings where nothing went right for Manchester United but they should have won the game so they need a response don't they against Burnley tonight yeah 100% that game should have been done in the first half with you know obviously Ronaldo missing a penalty Bruno Fernandes missing from literally an open goal I mean another day it would have been 3-0 at half time and the tie would have been done very easily but it's just the case of the the chant. What what I'm seeing, which is a positive, is the fact that they're creating more. Because in the last few months, there was just absolutely nothing where it didn't look like a goal could come from any area of the pitch whatsoever. So at least now there is a little bit more creativity. Obviously, they're on a two game uh, successive victories in the Premier League, which is, you know, that's that's where we are at the moment in terms of trying to build up these small, consistent runs because it's just not happened at all this season. Um, so in terms of confidence, I mean, if this win keeps up going to turf more than no, I'm not confident with that giant six foot six guy they've got up front. Um, <laughs> so it might be a bit of a tricky afternoon for whoever's at the back. But um, it, Burnley's, to be fair, we've had a, diff, a decent form run at Burnley in the last few years, which at the start wasn't great. But when you go away to these sides, like I say, who have this motivation and they have a different new look side at the moment. Obviously, they've got like a new forward line since the last time we played them. Um, it will be a tricky, tricky tie. And I'm just happy with the fact that, you know, obviously Sancho's starting to come into his own a little bit. Um, Bruno's starting to have a bit more output than he did at the start of the season. Uh, and obviously, I think the, one of the biggest things is Rafa Varane's really starting to come into his own every single game now, which, you know, as a defensive unit, which was just conceding goals left, right and centre at the start, that's massive for every United fan. But yeah, I mean, every game that United go into now, I don't have as much confidence as, say, you know, 10 years ago. Um, every game is a struggle and it has been for a long, long time now. Uh, but I'm more confident this You've got two games in hand though, Joel. And if you beat Burnley, that will not cement you in fourth, but you're a point ahead of West Ham and you've played a game less than West Ham. You've played two games fewer than Chelsea and there is currently nine points difference. So that gap would be trimmed to just three points to Chelsea in third once you've played your games in hand, if you win them both. So, you know, if if you want to get into the top four, which Ralph Rangnick was discussing in his pre-match press conference, saying, if you had offered me fourth when I came in, I would have definitely taken it. Um, United are in now, they're in pole position. So they they should really win tonight if they, if they have aspirations to finish fourth. Niall, you make it sound so damn easy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if that was the case, we always have this situation where, you know, we have two games in hand. Niall, it sounds like Molly May. You know, forward. if they just try a bit harder, they'll win all the games. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah, it's, it's only six points to win. It's not that hard. Um, but yeah, we always have this situation. Burnley are bottom it. of the table on 13 points and they've won one game all season. I don't think it's... Uh, no, but it's that, this, this makes even more likely for us to drop points. It makes us even more 
like it's not the wildest claim ever to suggest that Manchester United should be beating bottom of the table Burnley but I, I guess yeah, I but, see your point I mean Watford <laughs> smashed us 4-1 a few months ago and they won like one <laughs> game all season then so honestly when these games make me more nervous than for example if we were playing like Arsenal away just because we know that they the up the game times 10 in these types of fixtures. So, yeah, in an ideal world, we go three points behind Chelsea, but we're not in an ideal world. And this is a new age Manchester United where you just don't know what you're going to get every single game. So, yeah, we'll take it as we come because I seriously have zero confidence, but then zero non-confidence. It's, it's, it's a middle ground. I'm really interested to see how Varane and Maguire uh, deal with Valt Verkhurst tonight. A big, strong guy. Didn't really get much of the action, I don't think, against Watford at the weekend. But, you know, what a way to announce himself at Turf Moor in front of the home crowd. Night game under the lights against Manchester United, causing chaos. And uh, for Manchester United, by the way, Fred and Alex Tellez are both unavailable due to positive coronavirus tests. Moving on from Burnley against Manchester United to West Ham against Watford. Another side challenging for the top four against another side battling to beat the drop. The Hammers are currently fifth in the table, but they face a Watford side who drew 0-0 with Burnley, as we've already mentioned on today's podcast. That was Roy Hodgson's first game in charge. Do you think that they'll be able to get a result against the West Ham side, Marley, who needed last gasp equalisers slash winners to beat non-league Kidderminster in the FA Cup at the weekend? Or will it be a little bit more straightforward, do you think? Uh, I I think it'll be a little bit more straightforward. Um, I think West Ham, you know, they made a right meal of it, didn't they, Kidderminster? Um, But ultimately, they they showed the quality when 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 they really had to, I suppose. Um, and I think Watford, Watford for me, just don't. I don't see what Watford can bring to the table with, uh, with, with it being against West Ham, and they're you know they're doing well. Watford, they don't strike me as a team that can like really hurt you at any at any point or shore up and and um, like keep you out for for ninety minutes and make it a nil nil. I know they're coming off the back of a nil nil, but it was against Burnley and it was the first clean sheet in like two years or something or something mental like that so I'm not sure about what I think this is this this will be too uh too much for them uh to be honest and I, I hope that's the case as well because we need we need Watford to keep losing so we can uh try and keep them below us in the table so with a bit of luck um West Ham and Declan Rice and Antonio will do us a favour and, and keep them firmly in the uh in the mire. As we say, when it comes to the Hammers, it was a close-run thing against non-league side Kidderminster Harriers in the FA Cup on Saturday. They've got a pretty thin-looking squad. They played a number of first-teamers in that game against Kidderminster. Um, But there is a debate tonight, Joel, over whether the defender Kurt Zuma will be allowed to start against Watford. And the reason for that is a video has emerged on social media. I think it was published by the newspaper The Sun of Kurt Zuma deciding that he would kick his pet cat and it's not a nice video. We condemn ex- absolutely Kurt Zuma's actions. Animal abuse is not okay. And as such, there's been a bit of debate as to whether David Moyes should put Kurt Zuma in his team tonight or whether the club should take action and suspend Kurt Zuma or leave him out of this game as almost a punishment. Uh, the club have issued a statement on Kurt Zuma's alleged actions in this uh, social media video of him being violent towards an animal, and they've basically suggested that they'll deal with the matter internally. 
So I guess uh, it's a difficult question, Joel, but do you think we'll see Kurt Zuma tonight or do you think that David Moyes will do what many people think he should do and leave Zuma out of the team? Yeah, with with the video, it's just it's despicable, isn't it? To be honest, and I don't think it's it's hard just for a video for animal lovers. It's just anyone who has some decency and morals. Like I think what I've realised is that you know when you were younger, when you looked at these footballers, they could do no wrong. They were you know that heroism kind of aura around them. They were just every every single player just seemed to be the top tier of top tier of human beings, but. As I've gotten older now, well, I say older, I'm only 25. Um, but as you know, as you have a bit more awareness, you realise that honestly, the footballers are not people who you should be using as you kind of idols. Because, like I mentioned earlier on, the the people, and I'm not. This is not to excuse his behaviour, by the way, because the, the average normal person doesn't do something like that. Um, and I think you know, I think Moyes would be right to leave him out because it's a, especially when it comes to animals, it's a very sensitive subject. And it's not one that you want to be kind of, well, like I say, when you're younger, when you're 15, between like five and 15, you look up to these footballers regardless of what they do. So you don't want to be sending the wrong message to the younger generation. And I know footballers don't sign up to be role models, but I'm sorry, but that's what the role kind of entails, which is the fact that your life is no longer a private life anymore. And I think some of these footballers really need to audit their circles big time because, you know, Again, this is not to excuse the video, but how how have you got a friend recording you doing something like that, which is absolutely madness to me? You know, leaving Zuma out of the team, is that just punishment? Will that kind of, will that put things right? No, it probably won't. You know, people will now know Kurt Zuma as someone who did this. And so therefore it's going to impact him in other ways. But it, it's a mistake he's made that he's going to have to live with. Yeah, it, it doesn't put it right, but I mean, it allows people to see that West Ham don't take this thing lightly. And I think that's important. The, 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 the club needs to be shown as an organisation and as a business who don't tolerate this kind of behaviour from his employees. I think it's natural to do something like that. You don't want to be playing a guy who's just done something like that and everyone's thinking, what, so you condone this kind of behaviour then? I think it's important you set a precedent. Playing devil's advocate here, West Ham, as I say, behind Manchester United in the table, they need to get in the top four. That's their aim for this season. They have to win here, really, if they want to get in the top four. They need to be beating sides like Watford. I saw one West Ham fan suggest Zuma's apologised. The club have issued a statement. He should play tonight, which is fine. That's someone's opinion. If they feel like that, they're totally entitled to have that opinion. But is this where we get close to issues when it comes to football and the matters at hand when it comes to football over maybe the more moral side of the things. You know, if Zuma plays tonight, is that the right decision? Mm, I don't know. It's quite hard to tell. But West Ham have to win. And they'll probably want Zuma in their team because it gives them a better chance of winning. So I think it's a really interesting debate. No, I definitely agree. It's a case of like, do you take the moral approach or do you take the, the footballing approach? Um, because let's say this was, for example, you know, a player who was their top goal scorer, then that becomes even more difficult of a issue to tackle for a football club because it's a case of are you going to take the moral high ground and you know take make make an example of this player to say you don't condone it or are you going to start him based on the fact that like you just said you need the person in your side to actually potentially win the game, which then potentially gets you into closer to the top four. So it is an interesting one, but I think you always have to look at things from a human point of view, which is that you need to make sure that this kind of behaviour is eradicated from the roots. Obviously, it probably won't eradicate it, 
but you need to make sure that you you as an organization don't condone this kind of behavior and I, for me it's important that that kind of thing happens of course everyone has the different opinions and they're going to be l- less or more affected by what's just happened um but of course, you, you can't audit every single fan and say, what should we do? You need to take the stand and just make the point that you want to make on the issue itself. And there's been a lot of issues, obviously, in the past few weeks on footballers and their private lives. And it's very it's very case by case. But bottom line is, clubs need to make sure they don't condone behaviour, which is going to be looked at in a very, very negative way, which is what this has just happened. Mm. Yeah. OK, finally, then back to the football, Marley, West Ham tonight facing off against Watford at London Stadium. They didn't make any sign-ins. So if, for instance, they have a couple of players go down injured, where does that leave West Ham? As I said, it's a pretty thin-looking squad. There are a few disgruntled supporters over the fact they didn't strengthen in the window. Do you think it's kind of a bit of a touch-and-go thing with the Hammers? Let's just say they have a couple of players go down with injury tonight. I mean, that, that leaves them really short on numbers, doesn't it? Yeah, that's that's where West Ham season could fall apart. Um, they haven't got the biggest squad, especially up front in their in their striking department. Um, only Antonio, who's had a lot of muscle injuries over over the last couple of years. Um, yeah, they've just they've just got to manage it well. They've got to, they've got to manage it better than anyone else because um, no one else has that sort of same um, like problems. Really, I think everyone up there competing around where they are has much deeper uh, resources than, than them so they've also got the, the Europa League coming back soon the knockout stages and I always think that's a, a slightly more um, disadvantaged um, tournament than, than the Champions League because you play on a Thursday night and Thursday to Sunday is is really not a, a big uh, a big gap so um, they, they've got to be careful I mean I'm still amazed they didn't go out and get anybody in in January for to help out that striking department in particular, but um, that's 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 the decisions they've made, and and ultimately if they come sixth or seventh at the end of the season, I think everyone will look back at West Ham and say, well, you should have bought in in January. Um, it's all well and good saying you put in three club record bids, but they didn't come to anything. They didn't come to fruition. They just got knocked back by the clubs you were going to. So you might as well not have done it. You've wasted your own time there because. You you know they, clearly the valuation wasn't there. It doesn't matter if it's your um, club record bid of like forty million. If if the club rates whoever you whoever you're trying to buy at sixty million, you're not going to get them. So ultimately, that might come back. It feels like a, a, a case of oh, at least we tried. Oh yeah, which I think is something that yeah. Jim's spoken about when it comes to West Ham in the past. It's a case of oh, well we put a bid in, but they said no. At least we tried, and it's like well, that, that, does that really count as you know going. <laughs> all guns are blazing to try and sign a player yeah it's yeah it's very much like that i think so yeah it's um it's clear where they may have gone wrong this season if if they don't finish in in the top four or or even the top six so we'll have to see what happens obviously the proof will be in the pudding but um this these opportunities don't last for too long because you've got to assume everyone's going to be better next season man united are going to sort themselves out hopefully in the summer um to to come back to to take that sort of top four and cut everyone else off a little bit Spurs will get better inside in the summer so it's just going to get harder Leicester might come back again so it's just going to get harder for, for everyone so you know West Ham may have uh, may have blown it but uh, I'd, I'd still like him to see do well um, I'd like to see them do well because I like how they're 
they're kind of building a team a little bit. I like I like the fact that Declan Rice is, is in there and he's came through the academy and stuff. Um, so we'll we'll have to wait and see what happens, I suppose. Certainly will. Three Premier League games tonight. West Ham, Watford, Burnley, Manchester United and Newcastle versus Everton. We'll talk about all of those results on tomorrow's show. There are also matches tomorrow as well. And you can keep right up to date by hitting subscribe on this podcast. This is Football Social Daily, the only daily Premier League show you can find. You can also get some match previews and match reports over on our website, sport-social.co.uk. But for today's episode, that's it. Thank you very much, Joel. Thank you, Marley. We'll speak to you again tomorrow on Football Social Daily.